I bet you didn't think that we could take one word and make it last so long. This is number six, I believe, in a series on worship. And uh, so tonight we'll be talking about a day for worship. As you know, for the last several weeks, we, we've sort of, first we defined worship. We tried to say what it is, what it looks like. And we also said that God intends for us to be defined by worship. Then we learn that not everything that we call worship is worship. The children of Israel danced around the golden calf and called it worship, but it was not. It was defiling worship. And then we talked about devoted worship. And we said that the real measure of devoted worship is the great commandment, loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. You will not worship a God that you do not love. That's just a fact. And you will not worship a God you do not know. Some people have no heart for worship because they don't know the Lord. Some people have, even in the church, have no heart for worship because they don't love the Lord. And then uh, last week we talked about display in worship. There, there's a right and a wrong time for display in worship. And one of the things that we said is that anyone offering a display in worship, first it ought to be shaka worship, the bowing down, the grateful acknowledgement of who God is and what he's done. But any other display should never take away from God's glory but should always inspire worship in the heart of others. And that any display in worship should not be the prompting of man. I should not be up here saying, everybody raise your hands and worship the Lord. We talked a little bit about those raised hands and where they fit in. Don't lift them up unless they're holy. Be careful. But also, they were to be lifted up as a matter of prayer. And also, nothing is to be done unless it's prompted by the Holy Spirit, not by someone else. Well, that's what we've been talking about. But this evening, we're going to talk about one of the most basic concepts in the Bible, and that is that the Bible outlines a day for worship. We might say that the first four commandments are all about God, keeping God and His glory as the focus of our hearts. But the fourth one is about this day for worship. It comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, where the Lord said to his people, he said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Now I want to ask you, when you consider the Ten Commandments, there are ten of them as you know, are any of them optional? Is there one that is no longer important to your spiritual life? Is there one of these that you can set aside without damage to your own relationship with God? No, not one. Now, this commandment seems to be the swing point 
between the first three and the last six. As you know, the first four deal with our relationship with God, the last six with our relationships with other men. But this one, observed rightly, helps us ponder whether or not we're keeping all the rest. It's central to our relationship with God and central to our relationships with the people of God. Now, the observance of this one single commandment was to shape everything that the people of God did the entire week. It, it would, and, and note this as we've talked about defining worship, that it defines us. This would define them as different from all the people around them. It would mark them as a people devoted to God. Now, I still think, I think I can suggest this and say it pretty much as fact, the people who are devoted to God will be in church on Sunday, and the people who are not will be somewhere else. I think that's true. Now, I base that on Jesus himself. The Bible says that it was his custom to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He made it a pattern, a pattern that we ought to follow. Peter said we ought to walk in his steps. The steps of Jesus teach us to keep the tenth, this, this, this fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day. Now, what is the Sabbath? Well, we go back to Genesis to find that out. It didn't appear. Uh, it appears as a commandment in uh, Exodus, but in Genesis we learn about the Sabbath. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God created and made. Now the seventh day, was it, was it Saturday or was it Sunday? Well, what we have to remember is that in the beginning there were no days of the week. At least they didn't have names. The first Sabbath simply introduces us uh, to the principle of rest. He knew that we would need a day of rest, a time to recover, to refresh physically and also to refresh spiritually. Now, it says that God rested, but make no mistake, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. To him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. You might say that's a verse about the Sabbath. The resting is not for God. It's for you. You, on the Sabbath, need to wait on the Lord so that you might renew your strength. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
The Sabbath was a day set aside by God, first of all, to be a day of rest. But not only was it a day of rest, the Sabbath, that's the first principle, but the Sabbath was to be a day of trust. And this is perhaps the most important thing about the Sabbath. Did you know from ancient times, life has been labor-intensive. What do I mean by that? Well, men struggle to survive. By the sweat of their brow, God said, would they survive? And they did, and they do. Crops were planted and crops were harvested. Food was gathered from day to day. Because that was a simple fact of life for a man and his family to survive. Life was and is seven days a week. Isn't that so? Therefore, work had to be seven days a week. That was a fact of man's existence. And while the principle of rest was established at creation, by the, by the time this commandment was given, creation itself was ancient history as far as those people were concerned, and, and the principle of rest had been abandoned. What I, want you to, what I want you to understand is that when this concept was given in the, in the, in the commandments, it was a radically new idea to the mind of this band of wanderers in their wilderness because in their minds, life was seven days a week and therefore work had to be seven days a week. For there to be a day of rest, a cessation of daily activities required for life to go on, that meant that the Sabbath had to be a day of trust. It had to involve the principle of rest. Let me give you two powerful illustrations of that principle. First was this specific command in Exodus 34, 21. You shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest, you shall rest. If it was time to plow or time to plant or time to harvest, it was not to be done on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, they were to practice the principle of trust. Now, the second, print, the second illustration comes from the time of their wandering in the wilderness. In the wandering in the wilderness, what did God feed them with? Manna from above. We sang about it earlier. He fed them manna from above. It fell from heaven. They went out every morning and picked it up. It was like dew on the ground, and it was like a, it was like a, a it tasted wafer-like. Well, they gave a description of it, something with honey, something sweet, something good. And they picked it up every day and they gathered it, but they couldn't keep it overnight. Why? Because it, 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 it grew worms. You didn't want to eat it the next morning. You didn't want to put it up under your pillow like you do your sandwich, Lily Kate. You didn't want to do that because it would be wormy when you pulled it out in the morning. But on the sixth day, the Lord said, on the sixth day, I'll send you twice as much. You pick it up, and I'll make you this promise that if you'll trust me, when you get up the next morning, it won't, it won't be wormy on that next day. And none fell, on the, none fell on the Sabbath. Nothing fell. So they learned to trust God for 40 years. They would pick it up six days. The seventh day, there wouldn't be any. But they would have enough left over for the next day when they didn't gather and it didn't spoil it didn't spoil and so day by day they learned to trust in God he provided day by day this is what the Lord said to them and this is something you may not know Isaiah 58 verse 13 and 14 if because of the Sabbath 
you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You don't do what you want to do on the Sabbath because that, God says, is my holy day. Now, I've had people say to me before, well, you know, what we need to do is we need to call off church on Sunday night because that's a family day. I'm sorry, I've never read that in my Bible, that the Sabbath day or Sunday is, a, and we'll talk about the contrast between the Sabbath and Sunday, but I've never read that it's a family. Nobody ever told me that when I was in Sunday school growing up. I don't think I read that anywhere in the book of Genesis or even in all the way to the book of Revelation. The Lord said, it is my holy day, and you should delight in it. One Christian who had a job in a shopping mall, this is from David Sisler. He's a fr freelance writer, davidsisler.com. He said, one Christian who had a job in a shopping mall that did business seven days a week observed the differences in sales between the various outlets in the food court. Store managers received monthly sales figures for all the stores in the mall. When comparing the business done by outlets in the food court, it was noted that Chick-fil-A, a restaurant that is always closed on Sunday, did in six days what any two of the other food court stores did in seven days combined. Sort of strange, is it not, that someone who tried to honor God was blessed by God operating on this principle of rest. So we said, what is the Sabbath? That was number one. Number two, what does it mean to remember the Sabbath day? Well, did you know that we have a scientific reason for almost all divisions of time? The revolution of the earth around the sun marks the division of time into years. The 29 and a half day revolution of the moon around the earth gives us the concept of the month. Uh, the day comes from the revolution of the earth upon its axis. But what bit of scientific data gives us how many days there are in a week? Well, that, by the way, had its origin in the heart of God. Life in the Garden of Eden was not measured into increments of months, but into a cycle of days that would, one out of seven, bring man to his knees before God. There is a day for worship. God outlined it from the beginning. God said, that is my holy day. I set it aside for rest. Not that I need to rest, mind you, but even young men need to rest. They need to wait on the Lord and renew their strength so that they can mount up with wings as eagles, so that they can run and not be weary. But those of us who are older know that you also need that day and that time in the Lord's presence so that you can do the most basic of all, and that is simply walk and not faint. In Exodus 39, verses 12 through 7, the Lord said, He said this to Moses, 
But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths. Why? For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. It is holy to the Lord. It is to be holy to you. I wonder, do you suppose people have forgotten that? Do you suppose that's why there's more lumber in our church on any given service than people? That people have forgotten that? That they no longer have a heart to honor God? They don't, maybe they don't, yeah, they don't trust God. Because if they trusted God, they'd set aside whatever they were doing and say, I'm going to be in the Lord's house today, and whatever it is I'm missing, the Lord will give me twice as much. They'll, he'll provide that in some other way at some other time. But the Lord says, this is my holy day, and it's a sign between you and me throughout your generations. Not only so, but this day is to be holy. What does holiness look like? By the way, what is it like to stand in God's presence, to, to stand before the holiness of God on a day that is holy, on holy ground? Well, we've seen various illustrations of that in Scripture. We've seen men falling on their faces before the Lord. We've seen Isaiah cry, Woe is me, for I am undone. And this week I told you on Wednesday night how I read about Daniel when he stood in the Lord's presence. He said, All my comeliness was turned into corruption. Is this day holy to First Baptist Church? Is it holy in First Baptist Church? Should it be holy? Haven't I been told to keep it holy? Well, how do we keep it holy? I need to skip some of this because I'll make it too long. How do we keep it holy? Well, Sunday is our one day for God. Christians began worshiping on Sunday, and I'll leave all the explanation for that a different time. But as you know, that's the day that our Lord was raised from the dead. That was the day the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. That was the day John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day when he received the book of Revelation. And that became the practice in the New Testament. Christians began to meet on the first day of the week to honor the Lord, to keep his day the Lord's day, holy. Let me remind you that Walmart will not keep it holy for you. The mall will not keep it holy for you. The workplace will not keep it holy for you. Your coach will not keep it holy. Nevertheless, God commands you, in spite of what others do, to remember His holy day and keep it holy. Keep it set apart for Him. Keep it as your day of rest and worship. By the way, did you know that Jesus said the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath? In other words, I'm not Lord of my Sabbath. You are not Lord of your Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And if I make Jesus Lord of my life, then I will keep his day holy. I will make it a day of worship. I will 
set it to be a day when I come into the Lord's house with the Lord's people and my heart stands on tiptoe that I might encounter the Lord, that I might rest before Him, that I might receive from Him what only He can give. There is no other place that a Christian ought to want to be on a Sunday than in the Lord's house with the Lord's people expecting the Lord to be present with His people. That ought to be the longing of our hearts. You know, one of the things, one of the pictures I have in my mind in the Old Testament is of Exodus chapter 33. The Bible says that Moses used to, you know, set up the tent of meeting. They set the tent, set up tent of meeting up a, a little ways away from the camp, and that Moses, uh, whoever would saw the Lord, whoever saw the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting. But Moses would go to the tent of meeting, and he would meet the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And the Bible says that whenever Moses would go to the tent of meeting, all the people would come to the doorway of their tent and they'd watch him. They'd watch Moses go. They'd watch Moses make that approach. I got in my car this morning. My neighbors had their garage doors up. And as I got in my car this morning with my coat on at 7 o'clock, and began my drive to church, I thought, maybe they're watching me. Maybe I'm giving them a testimony anyway that I'm going to church today, and although they don't go to church, maybe they'll see me, and they'll know where I'm going. They'll know what my habit is. Do people know what your habit is? What is the testimony of how you're living your life? Are you remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is to be a day for worship. Let's pray.